Hey gang, Kyle jumping in right off the top to let you know we did get our really cool referral program set up. If you are interested in sharing this show out with friends, head over to refer.fm forward slash Stellaris. If you put in your name and your email address and share the show out with 10 friends, you get a free Stellaris sticker in the show of our uh, logo for it. I'm really excited. This is something I've been working with with a little company um, called Glow. They're the ones that provide our exclusive RSS feeds for members. I like the idea. I want to add some cool tiers to this that the more you share, the more you get. Um, we're working with them on that. But please try it out. It's really neat. You just hop over. It's a very simple page. Refer.fm forward slash Stellaris. Like I said, first name or last name, whatever you want to put in there. Your email. And then uh, it gives you a link so you can share to like different episodes of the show, whatever you want to share with your friends. You know, if you want to be talking about Nemesis, you could throw them an episode on that. You know, when we get into the tutorial phase, toss them one of that. And it's really cool on the receiving end because they get to choose the podcast player they want to listen to really easily. Like it's, it's just nice. Uh, so go ahead over refer.fm forward slash Stellaris. We'll have more news on that as it develops, but it is just now set up as of uh, April 28th here. So enjoy the episode, everyone. Hello, everybody. Kyle here. Welcome back to Stellaris Emergency Broadcast. I am joined by my co-host, Stark. Stark, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Pretty good. Good to hear. You got your new computer. We've uh, mm -hmm. done a lot. You've done a lot of tweaking on your audio today. So folks out there, uh, look out for hopefully a smoother sounding Stark. Also, if you're interested, we're going to try and raise some money, get Starky fancy uh, dynamic microphone so that we don't pick up some background. If you want to do that, go over to uh, revelatornetwork.com, become a member. We're doing some really cool stuff in the month of May. If you're into the psionics and uh, Stellaris, <laughs> you might like that we're doing an ESP group following some CIA documents and um, doing some of that in the, in the Gilded server as part of uh, the RPN membership related to the Chaos and Shadow podcast. So take that little plug right off the bat. Today, we're going to be talking about Stellaris Dev Diary 2.10, a post-nemesis address. This is really good. I, I want to I apologize up front if I came off as too harsh on it last week uh, or anything of that nature. I had played Nemesis for about four or so days, and I tried to come across very level-headed. I think I, I think I did, but I still feel kind of bad anyway. I, I, I don't like to poo-poo anyone's efforts, though it seems that the, the things I did poo-poo were not in my head and were shared by pretty much everyone I gamed with and in the community at large. So thankfully in this post-nemesis address, we're going to be touching on a couple things, including the pop growth changes, a little bit of talk about the espionage operations and changes. But Stark, before we do that, could you give us a little bit of background? Um, we've been playing 3.0.2. You got on your mm -hmm. swanky new computer there. How has that yep. experience been for you? Now that on we're like two system. a week or so in, whatever it is. Yeah, on the new system, absolutely excellent. Yes. Um, I haven't had a haven't had any slowdown on that. So it's and again, that's some of that's just it's a new system that's got a uh, pretty decent setup. So yeah, it's it's a little hard to tell if that's a performance improvement or not. I didn't notice much of a performance change when I was uh, working on my old PC because it like I said, it came in like two or three days after the patch came in. I think I had one day on the new PC before we recorded last week. So it did seem fine on the old system too. And that was, oh God, that's running an i7-920. I don't know if anybody remembers that. I think it is, the old system is ancient. Yeah, you were you were struggling there for a while. Mm -hmm. I'm so happy you've upgraded because that, that just opens so many gaming doors now. I feel like mm -hmm. 
I feel like just I I know what it's like to be on a rig that's struggling and gaming yeah. with it. So it it does close opportunities. You're like, I don't know if I actually want to play this right now because yeah. Well, I remember with um, this is a little bit of a tangent. I remember with Cyberpunk, where when that released with twenty seven seven released, I actually had to go in and tweak the uh, executable with an with hex editor because it would not launch or it would, it would launch, but it wouldn't get to past a specific AVX command that was being issued. So for like the first week or two of that game, I was actually having to manually go in and tweak the, uh, the EXE every time I wanted to run the, uh, every time they released a patch to, to fix the game, I'd have to go back in and reapply a bypass. Cause it wasn't, it wasn't an AVX instruction. It was just, it was uh, compiled as one. So like, yeah, that was um, that was fun. Yikes. So yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I am glad to be on a new system though. I, I we all are collective sigh of relief. So I'm glad you're getting in there and enjoying it. I've been playing a little bit. I'm on a Solaris break this week, um, just because we were we gamed really hard with it and played mm-hmm. many many hours. So we're just being very intelligent. We're we're starting to add in our mods. Giga Structures is back in. Um, we we've done like a plentiful tradition tree sort of one. Um, I actually have them all listed in the Gilded server. So if you want a list of my mods, gilded.gg forward slash RPN, click the apply button. Say you came from the uh, Stellaris emergency broadcast. We'll get you in there. Uh, It means you can also play games with us if you want to. So you're welcome to join. The mod list is detailed and you can find all of them. But uh, anyway, those are updating. Um, We're kind of waiting to see as the dust settles from all of this. My gaming group's overall reaction is we are very happy with the changes as, as a net result really happy with the performance fixes because we're playing later in the game than we ever could before seriously the the happy new year's lag as we refer to it when it would do like you know whatever the year is and it would go oh one oh one we would get those nasty pauses where it would just sit mm-hmm. there and think for a minute and we would joke about how long the new year celebrations are this year um <laughs> And that doesn't happen. The festivities are canceled. You know, the the year's rolling over really quickly. It's great. My drones are working hard. No one's slacking. The CPU is 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 rocking and doing its job. So again, as as weird as I might feel about some of these pop changes, I'm very happy to say we can actually go late game without PCs dying. Now, yeah. Star, could you talk us a little bit through what's going on with this 3.0.3 patch in, in relation? Because I know you and I off air, we talked a little bit. They're they're trying to help ring worlds and, and uh, colonies that are going to be coming in later in the game. I, I think they're also trying to do some little benefits here so that your empire doesn't feel like it's stagnant forever. Could you tell us a little more about okay. that? So from what I understand... Um... We actually did find a video that was going through the math of this, but like I haven't dug in and and ripped apart the formulas, but there's a couple of things that are going on. One is that your population growth is in relation to the capacity for a planet. Um, This is something you can see when you hover over the little uh, pop icon in the upper right corner of the, um, the picture. When you're like, when you're looking at the planet, you've got this sort of little landscape there and there should be a little icon in the upper right corner of that that'll give you an idea of what the current population is and it'll show you what the capacity is so planets are currently designed to grow to a specific size and growth will start tapering off very severely as you get higher in that list um so from what we understand from what i understand of the 3.03 patch notes the overall growth penalty you take for your planet will be reduced not 
it's not going to be like it was before 3.0. Probably it's not going to be just explosive growth, but at least on the reduction size, it should floor out earlier, I think, or floor out at a higher value because right now it kind of follows this curve as the capacity goes up and then starts coming down as the actual population goes up. And so you should be able to grow more consistently mid to late game. And the other one is there's a similar penalty for the number of pops in your empire as a whole. This is kind of why you were getting into the nihilistic acquisition last week and right. you know chasing after just grabbing people because you don't have to grow people that you take from someplace else. Mm -hmm. Well, the way this system works, that should reduce the overall penalty to growth empire-wide because it does create a situation endgame, um, specifically designed to create a situation endgame where if you have multiple worlds, you know, you've got 50 or 60 worlds floating around and you've got thousands of pops, like it will slow you down severely on your growth so that you don't just choke the CP and end up with never-ending New Year celebrations. Yeah. So there's an obvious goal to this stuff, like, and I just straight up performance goal. And I think they're tapering that back some, um, so that might actually be related to it's performing better than expected on hardware in the field. So they're, they don't need to be quite as conservative with, uh, restricting pops. And that definitely could be some of the feedback that they're looking at now. I'm not sure exactly what they're basing it on, but yeah, this should make it easier to grow larger populations and have a larger empire again. Um, this also, so this is what I'm a little fuzzier on the population growth changes also impacted colony development speed. Mm -hmm. And it looks like they're sort of reversing that somewhat by adding new things to colony development speed bonuses in the civilian infrastructure tax. I think without, obviously without seeing 3.03 yet, that's probably going to be sort of like how, um, I think it's automated colony ships or something like that where it's, it's just straight up has like a plus 50 percent growth speed or plus 25 percent growth speed baked into the tech i suspect there's gonna be a couple more of those added in Ooh, yeah that's that is this kind of the sound of this um last week i didn't really have the words with only four days under my belt uh with the new stuff but i do think the complaints i had about the colony development speed also referring to when your outer rim worlds can upgrade their primary building their their capital building. They they talk about that a bit in here too. Um, it says, yeah, since colonization is taking longer than desired in the mid game, we've added colony development speed bonuses to civilian infrastructure technologies, like you were talking about. Um, positive feedback regarding the new automatic resettlement mechanics. This one I have a little bit of words for because I'm I'm curious. Uh, you and I discussed this a bit. When we talk about those new transit hubs in the game and they give like a bonus towards resettlement, am I supposed to be putting that on worlds that I'm attracting people to or that I'm expelling people from? So immigration or emigration. Like, I, I'm not sure. If I'm supposed to be putting those on the worlds that I am drawing people to, that's okay with me. I, I, I can get around that idea. That That works. That lets me be selective in where the AI's or where the, you know, the, the automatic management's going to send them. It's kind of like flagging a drop zone, if you will. Um, so I can dig that, but I am confused because nothing really tells me that except my speculation right here and right now. Yeah, I'm not sure what we're supposed to do with them, ironically. Yeah. So I think it could go either way, too, because if you, well, okay, so this I is, I'm, I'm, 
I'm completely talking out of my ass here because I have not used them, right? Like I've never, I don't think I've ever built the transit hubs. Um, however, I suspect if you use policies or you use um, planetary decisions to boost migration attraction to a planet, the transit hub will actually draw people to that planet. And then if you've got other planets that are flagged instead, like you don't have that one flagged for immigration, you've got other planets flagged for immigration, that it will draw people away towards those planets. But I legitimately don't know. It's, yeah, it's something all right. And when it comes to manually moving pops, I'm sorry that I'm a little everywhere, but like I don't know how to talk about any of these changes in a vacuum since <clears> most of them overlap. But talking about moving people, um, the little influence, the little tenant costs to move people manually these days I'm not sad about that. I do like that, like, it, it's it's the civic that they've given to the hive mind, at least. We have one that we can take that reduces, it gets rid of that 10, 10 influence cost. And I like that. I end up taking that civic at times because moving the people around right now is something I've been managing. To that end, I, I again, I don't know if that's really what I'm intended to do is to go in there and physically be moving everyone. I don't know that that's working as intended. I don't know if the goal was hit. I, I think I'm just confused now, and I'll put that out there. I'm not the biggest math guy. I love Stellaris. I accidentally min-max it all the time just because I figure out what works. It's not because I crunch numbers. Hell no, you couldn't, literally can't pay me to crunch numbers. No way, I'm taking that job. But I'm good at finding the, you know, the, the water finds the whatever easiest path or something. And, uh, I'm I'm confused. I'm I'm confused. It doesn't mean I'm not winning. Like we've I've I've successfully beat, you know, Grand Admiral and we're playing with the crazy mods again that crank it way up. So it's not like I'm in the dust, but I feel like that says something too, because that means I'm way better than the AI, but I'm super confused. Like I just don't <laughs> get it. Help. Clarity. Well, this, was, this was a concern I had. I think I, I expressed it last week, which was the way the pop growth changes have been handled, you can play around them, True. but the AI does not know to do so. So, and I think I just straight up called it a nerf to the uh, difficulty last week because it kind of is. Um, if you understand about capacity, so the, the entire thing I just described, like you, there's a there's a development curve with high capacity planets and really kind of the most exploitable way to fix it is to just clear as many districts as you can get as many districts up and going, um, boost your capacity as much as possible and you will experience a population boom. Uh, boom. And yeah, I won't do that. It's not going to automatically go in and start clearing blockers as fast as possible because that's not a natural way to play. Mm -hmm. And in fact, that used to be a very ill-advised way to approach a planet. Um, don't worry about your blockers initially, just get them off, clean them off when you need the space or when you need something from those, those terrain pieces used to be these, the sort of advice on that subject. And now it's just clear them as fast as possible because you want to get the capacity up. The AI won't follow that. And so it ends up lagging behind uh, economically, technologically. And if you're, we're still in a situation where if you have a faster population growth, you have a significant advantage. So giving players more tools to do that, it's not going to help the difficulty. No. And I mean, the same goes for capturing worlds, too, because I, I did kind of cool it with the nihilistic acquisition there. Um, it just it actually mm -hmm. got to be a thing. Um, this is this is neither here nor there. It's not a complaint or anything, but it, it worked out to be that 
if we had AIs on our team, they would usually go and start capping the planet. So I couldn't even really take Mm -hmm. that many. Um, Usually then I would end up with the world. Like it would get capped in my favor and okay, I get the pops to be assimilated anyway. So there is still something to be said about how maxing your pops is going to get you to the top. And there was something in this document here talked about the technology, how they had tried to slow down the tech zerg. I'm not saying that they should be aiming at that. Like, that's not a concern of mine. That is my play style, so I'm not telling you to shoot me in the foot. But I can say that if there was a limit put in place, I have not detected it. Um, And this is also coming from someone who was playing a very different way a minute ago, because I used to be all on the ring world, and I would really blow tech out of the water there, and they changed the ring world, they nerfed that, which is fine. Um, So I came over to the other stuff, and I'm still able to blow it out of the water. And I'm not doing a lot. Like, I'm not bending rules or anything like Mm -hmm. that. I'm just talking about, like, hey, I'm going to make my first couple buildings science buildings. And and I tested it. I went and built synaptic nodes, the next, which is Unity, and I had a much worse playthrough. Like, my worse meaning, like, I was not technologically ascended nearly as fast. So maybe that means those buildings are just OP. I don't know. I don't think it's that they're OP. I do think it's that they have a very strong. Okay, so there's there's two things, right? Mm-hmm. The first thing is the buildings do have a strong determination for how your empire builds up. Um, as far as I can tell, with the tech, like with the actual labs, it's it matters more than your stations, and that seems really weird. I'd have to go back and double check the numbers, but it's like even when you have this massive empire that has research stations all over the place, the labs will have a bigger impact on how quickly you evolve technologically. Yes. The other thing is this is a design issue that goes all the way back to civilization. Um, the more technology you have, the faster you develop technology, the further you get ahead of anybody who didn't follow that path. And they're really, I I can't think of a single 4X game where you can really just kind of eschew technology and go, well, I'm not going to worry about that or mess around with that. I'm just going to play with what I've got. Um, Yeah, I I can't think of any because it's, it is such a sort of integral part of the, the genre. Yeah. So unless you have something like okay. the the hanging gardens from Civ Two, like for everybody, where if somebody else has to, if two other factions have a technology, you get it, and just like if you create that as a base rule, so it's like you're never more than two. You know, if a technology has been developed by more than two empires, everybody else gets it. Like I can't see a situation where you you could ever really eradicate that. I. Very much agree. Are you all, there's also a very quick pro tip in there from what you stated earlier. I, I did look at the numbers recently. It seems mm. that your labs will always give you more, or at least they do in the start of the game, which means if you have the choice between taking the tech for your labs to increase versus your stations by that, whatever the percentage is, take the labs first. Yeah, I, I've now made that like a core concept in my gameplay. If for some reason your empire is very different, change it accordingly. You can just hover over it and it'll tell you, but... Uh, it probably won't be different. So your your point is spot on, Stark. I agree. It's it's something that's integral to the game. It also tends mm-hmm. to be just a fact for life, too. You know, when you have mm-hmm. when someone develops gunpowder and comes a knock, and that does tend to change the game, and so on and so forth. Uh, well, that's an interesting thing about history, though, that doesn't really reflect, doesn't it? Because like gunpowder, the the origin of gunpowder is like 
196 AD in, in China, I think. Mm -hmm. But the actual expansion of it as a weapon, so like around the 12th, 13th century, like it expanded very quickly, but it wasn't people parallel inventing it. It was, here's this technology going out and replicating it or obtaining it um, from seeing it in the world. And that's something I don't think we really see very much of um, in 4X as a genre. Uh, there's a little bit of that when you try to take apart somebody else's ships in Stellaris and you're trying to determine what technologies they were using. But that's very specific to that. And the, especially with military technologies in the real world, where if you see someone else using it, you then can start to emulate that and really jump ahead of the curve. And that's something we see in the real world that doesn't really reflect in the genre. Ah. So I don't know. It's an interesting idea to play with. Are you, so you're saying, now, does this get down to the idea of like capture or like uh, studying the debris and all of that? Is that what we're talking mm -hmm. about? You're yeah. When you're, there's not enough of that in the game right now? I'm thinking there's not enough like to, to really start to make this kind of technological advancement um, viable. Like if your envoys were passively picking up like some social engineering, you know, social technology, oh. and you're from a, from the various empires you're involved with, and if you're having better job, you know, having a faster job of taking apart ship technologies you encounter from combat, or even just from exposure to those ships, you might create a situation where the overall technological level of the galaxy is a little more even, and it would make it harder to snowball. It might also make the enigmatic engineering a lot more critical to really trying to snowball technology because if your technology is just spilling over to everybody else who sees it, that's gonna make it a lot less viable to just you know leapfrog ahead because they'll follow you. Um, but there is a thing. That. There is a thing, but I think the gunpowder is an excellent example. There is an element where it's like, at least in the real world and with history, when somebody develops something new and innovative, other people follow suit. Yeah, it's a it's a thing. And it's a it's a problem in game because oh, I'm noticing that I, and I don't think this. Oh, I, oh gosh, I, I, I'd love to share my insights because it's these are these are not complaints so much as just real things that are happening with the AI. And again, I don't know if it's because maybe I am just really at the higher end of like player style so you know this might destroy other people or something but we've been noticing that like the ai has barely been mounting any defense to their land whatsoever mm -hmm. like embarrassingly low navies on grand admiral and when i say embarrassingly low it's like i'm rocking a 100k fleet and they're rocking maybe a 20 or a 30 um and i you know again i mean there is definitely the snowball effect but it does become a little bit of a questionable moment that's why i say i wonder i wonder if they're going to get this kind of leveled out a bit more i'm having a super fun time and thank goodness to the modding community that make it like better i, I have a suspicion on that but i don't know for sure because it's, it's kind of hard without being able to just dig in and track um ai values mm -hmm. like their their alloy production things like that alloy production heads back to your population yes and if the AI is having difficulty getting the population numbers up to start with, then that's going to create a situation where their ally production is much more restricted. Mm -hmm. If you're already working around that, uh, you're already looking at significantly higher ally production rates. This is even before we consider you're running with Giga structures, but you're running significantly higher ally production rates. You have the resources to field much larger militaries. Um, 
I was actually looking at a game. I was playing a game where it was even very early game. Um, I was up in the range of about uh, two to five thousand k or five thousand fleets, and the AI was struggling to get fleets to five hundred or a thousand. So even that early, it was already starting to come in, and I was like, oh, but I've already heavily focused on producing alloys in a way the AI can't quite catch up because I'm accelerating pop growth. So I think that might be what's going on. Like they're they're having real difficulty getting fleets out right now. And, and a quick addition, my encounter was without gigastructures on for that oh, okay. case. So I so I've noticed one other thing too. This is these are just takeaways. If ever there's a developer listening, I don't, I don't know what to exactly do with them. We don't I don't have a solution. I don't have a background in this, but I can say um, vanilla game is proving very easy. And I, I know one of the, again, I don't know if they should like nerf this per se, but it is a huge problem. There is no cap to rolling over your unity perks uh, in the, at the bottom of that tree. I forget what they're called, but they pop up in your edicts tree at the very bottom once you've researched so far. And this is vanilla again, so you can just be doing this. And whenever you get about a thousand unity per month, you just toggle these all on. They're crazy. They're like 10% research a month you know, to mm. maybe 15% fleet size or something crazy. Like they add up 33% extra minerals. Just hello, here you yeah. go. And yeah, there's influence. no reason not to run them. Literally none. Mm -hmm. You're not breaking the, well, you're breaking the game, but the game is giving you the key. It's almost like giving you a cheat menu at that stage. Cause it's like, please tick these for no penalty to you. You literally will be burning unity if you don't use them. So this is when you're past unlocking all your tradition stuff. Um, and that's when I think you, first of all, start like embarrassingly leapfrogging the AI. But it also tells me that one of the things that the game is working against, the game gets a lot harder when there's more traditions in the game because you can't choose those unity perks as easily. And when you have more tech to chase, the game gets a lot harder too because you can't just keep steamrolling those repeatable techs. So actually... I mean, aside from whatever these other mods add to it, I do feel like farther, deeper tech trees slash deeper uh, tradition trees may make the game more difficult for you. So if you're someone out there that's struggling, those are things I would suggest adding and seeing what flair that gives you if you feel like you are steamrolling. So you're thinking like take the the ship techs and run them up to tier 10 so you can never actually max it out anyway well i just meant mod style like if you're if that's the route <laughs> you're going get get mods so there's speaking of ship techs i think i have it listed in the gilded again but i picked up one the other day super fun it adds tons of new ship techs into the game like a lot a lot over 50 or so and it it's to the point that for me it's a little bit much i wouldn't mind like a, a little bit of a lighter version but basically, you can just research Dark Matter Shields and get higher variants of that and make super armor and blah, blah, blah. blah. Like, it has all these different types. And if you go out there and you kill the psionic entities, you can get super unique stuff from them. Very cool. But while you're developing all of that stuff, you know, you're having to not develop other things, which, again, means your empire has, like, a different balance rate. I don't know exactly what to make heads of tails of this, but I, I got to say maybe those unity edicts do need a little bit of nerfing and maybe yeah. maybe the idea that if they add more traditions into the game at some point maybe that will get the game going longer by default yeah and that the um the edicts are like 
they're a fundamental decision you're supposed to make very early on in the game too, because it's like even your initial um, your initial ethics will affect how many edict slots you have. I think it's um, oh I forget which one it is. It's either I think it's egalitarian that increases your edict supply, or maybe it's authoritarian. It's one of those. But yeah, right off the bat, you're you're given the option to have four edict slots instead of two uh, when you're creating a or when you're creating a new empire. So. Yeah, it's designed around the idea you're going to be using those. But yeah, if once you get to the point where you get the uh, tech accelerator edict, and I forget, I forget exactly where that one comes in, it's a game changer. Also, the um, talking... survey speed one. Uh, oh, but uh, pardon me, just for clarification, you're talking about the basic ones, not the Unity ones. Is that correct? No, I'm talking. About, I'm even talking about the basic ones. But yeah, yeah. The Unity ones also kick in. Yeah, the basic ones got a huge buff. That you, what mm-hmm. you're saying, yeah, going the edict route early on is really, really great because having more of those, they're really powerful now, and I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the those ones, I don't know if I'm concerned about the earlier ones, like the, the whole way down to like all the shield ones you tend to unlock, like the volatile moat ones you can use for mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. My big concerns are the bottom ones. Again, it's it's not because I don't enjoy them, but because. Once I click those buttons, it's kind of yeah. end game mode. Like it's <laughs> insanity time. Now yeah, I, I also might be a Unity hoarder. Pardon me. Go ahead, Scott. Well, I mean, the only thing you can spend Unity on is your traditions. Once you've maxed those out, there's nothing else to do with them. I do usually rock about one k a month. I've noticed that yeah. that just tends to be where I fall. Um, mm-hmm. I might go more if I'm playing an expanded Unity mod. There's a couple really good tradition ones out there I'd recommend. Uh, but yeah, it, 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 I've yeah. noticed that that having more options there truly does draw the game out so that you're not comp stomping as quickly. So mm. I, I don't know where this all goes back to, and I don't know what changes need to be made. I, again, I'm having an absolute ton of fun. It does let me see, though, where they're struggling. And I mean, they're saying it in their own words. So bless them for trying. I'm really happy that they're working on these Um I'm wondering with difficulty if it might be as simple as just so strategy game difficulty is kind of kludgy sometimes. Uh Um, It's not easy to just make the AI toggle to better states, but I wonder if the uh, it might be simple, just or just viable even to just give them further stacking um, modifiers. So it's like the AI is getting an extra 100% or 200% uh, per resource per pop or even up to plus 1,000% just to skew that number as much as possible for them in their favor. We already see that yeah. somewhat with the crisis strength slider. I forget where that maxes out. I think it's like plus, I think it's X25 or something, but something like that for the general AI might be a good idea, um, at least for the moment. Well, I don't know if that exists as a mod. It, I, I would say that's probably what the Starnet AI that I rock does. I really like that one that gives them, like, it just makes the AI significantly stronger so they can start rocking fleets that are actually comparable and give you a really hard time. Now, I would wonder, and this is a question to our listeners out there, am I at the opposite end of the spectrum here? Like, are people feeling like the AI is actually very difficult? Are other people noticing it's rolling over and just showing you its belly? Because that's truly what I'm seeing. And I'm not really even trying to be that bullying and I'm not trying to nihilistic acquisition a bunch of people and like completely upturn the game. Even when giving them a fair shot, they tend to just, um, 
again, they tend to roll over on me right now. It's like, oh, look, they've got a fleet, but they either waste it or, or something to that effect. So that does have a, a kind of my final question of the, this probably episode, Stark, will be uh, going forward, does the AI actually just need some more combat modifications? Like, are, are we facing an issue where the AI may be too unintelligent to do useful things with the resources? Like, we can crank it up another 200%, but if they're still going to just waste it, waste it. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if that's what Starnet does. I should go in and look at that further before I continue to talk out of my butts to people online. Yeah, that's, I'm not sure. Because I know right now it, um, the AI prioritizes target planets, or targets, not planets, but target systems at once. And then it will strike for those. It doesn't seem to have a lot of deep, deep penetration into your territory when it's trying to evaluate what it wants to hit. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think it really gets beyond claims either. Like it'll see where there's claims that it wants, but then it won't advance from those. Um, at least most of the time, but it just, it doesn't compete with the way a player looks at the map. And I think some of that's probably unavoidable, like short of getting a, well, yeah, no, pretty much short of the options. Like I don't think it can really replicate that. Um, it's possible that an AI change that makes it much more aggressive, makes it much more focused on getting segments of your empire instead of just, you know, nibbling at the edges might help. Uh, but I'm not sure. And yeah, I th that actually goes to a thing, though. Like, I know you can really exploit it simply with choke points because mm -hmm. um, you can you can cut off a fleet pretty easily. Like if the enemy tries to get in too deep, you can cut off a fleet pretty easily and then just carve them up from the back. So... Yeah, I'm not sure if it's as simple as because sort of sitting down and saying, okay, make the AI better is very difficult. Um, and especially like that's an example right there where the suggestion I made was like, well, maybe they need to actually pick targets further into your territory, but right. then realize it's so easy to exploit that as a player. Well, so here's what that, so. here's what Starnet claims to do. Um, so it says the mods intends to create an action-packed experience with AI, uh, not only being able to manage their economy, research, and military, but also a willingness to put their fleets to use, which is true. They they go on to say <laughs> they found some other AI mods don't really cut it for them, the mod maker. Um, they say that they don't really ever make the AI feel a, more than a passive nuisance. Um, that never makes it so you feel like you're afraid of your neighbor, and that's what this mod's trying to fix. I'm paraphrasing a bit. Um, they mm -hmm. also go on to say, you know, even if your AI neighbor has a better economy, you feel like they'll never be a challenge to you. Um, only just speed bumps before the crisis. So this mod tries best to fix this issue. AI opponents are more than willing to make sizable militaries and more importantly, use their ships to conquer weak neighbors, both human and AI, trying to grow as large as possible, striving to dominate the galaxy. Can confirm we did see um, two AIs that were almost on their own, a little bit shorter than a quarter of the galaxy each, and the other one ate the other, and then he became half of the galaxy, basically. So that was very exciting, because that gave us a thorough enemy. They go on to say, you know, if you're playing with Commodore turned on as the difficulty with this mod, um, you should be expecting fleets ranging from 100k to 200k in fleet power. So again, I'm just throwing it out there. I, I would love to hear back from the audience uh, what level you play on. What's your difficulty thing? Are you struggling? Because I think it does, like Stark said a second ago, it comes down to when you know, you know, and you can just beat them through knowledge. So that's mm -hmm. where I say I do worry. I think the AI clearly needs help 
with some stuff, uh, a bit of a redesign. That's why I'm not saying like just generally help, but they need redesigns in certain areas. This one calls out that in the base game, the AI seems to pick tech at random. In contrast, this one encourages them to climb the tech tree rapidly and prioritize techs, which will make it as deadly as possible. So weapons and also stacking their, you know, all that sort of stuff together. Um, that's kind of what I mean about making the AI smarter is <laughs> if it's like milk toast bland now and it's just like I literally RNG everything with no weighted values. That's not good. That's no, not good. That's as bad as just at no offense to any novice player. But in that case, there would be no difference then between AI and a complete novice player if you're just RNGing it because every time that's it would be like the AI has never played the game before. Which is not yeah, that is actually a way to weight the AI difficulty. Actually, I didn't think about that. Um, what's a lot more subtle, which would be to yeah, to to skew weighting like on the on the random selection. So it's like if you play it at high difficulty, having the AI actually be very specific with the technology it's, it picks, mm -hmm. versus if you're playing at low difficulty where it's selecting completely at random or nearly at random. That's a that's a way to scale difficulty. I never thought of. Because it will have a significant knock-on effect across the board for how much of a challenge you face without it being obvious that it's like, oh, yeah, no, they just they get triple resources from, you know, like, that's actually clever. It also says the huge one in here, like, I'm not going to go through all this because, again, time crunch today, but um, they do say the economy is the biggest thing. So the AI will be much better balancing the resources, having as many minerals as they can be spending, having as much food as they can be using encouraged plantary growth. Um yeah, okay, so they'll use, they'll have about zero energy in peacetime, so they're spending it on all kinds of other stuff and focus on not having a huge deficit in wartime. Yeah, so, okay, I mean, again, I'd like to know from people out there, are you struggling against the vanilla AI? If so, I'd love to know, like, um, if there's anything that's given you a hang-up, because it is a game of knowledge is power. Uh, I know that I found my groove with it. I'm very excited to see what changes they put through. We're going to keep doing some episodes recapping this stuff because we didn't get to everything today. There was some loose words in there about espionage that we want to talk about in the future. Um, well, right now we don't have much information except they're going to take another pass to espionage. Exactly. And I have some more so, feedback to add to that too because yeah. I've been playing yeah. with it a little bit more. I did find a solution mod to the vassalization thing. That thoroughly frustrated me last week. I called that a bug. I really do hope it is considered a bug that your vassals are voting against you on the council when the word explicitly says that they're, like, supposed to not play politics anymore. I found mm -hmm. a great mod called Vassals and Tributaries 3.0. That mod lets you have a dozen different choices. Um, I found one that's great because I can have them as my, like, Xeno uh, harvestable people. So I actually get to, they give me pops and they don't get to vote. So that's huzzah for the hive mind. <laughs> uh, anyway, that'll fix a problem I brought up last week. But for this week, Stark, what do you say we put a, put a, a whatever in it? We'll put a pin in this one. Um, mm -hmm. I have had a lot of fun talking about these. I'm extremely positive about the nemesis changes and I'm so excited to hear that they're working on it. I'm very also amped to see that the modders are going ham already because I'm just having a blast. Yeah, it's so. going to be fun. Folks out there, join us on Gilded, gilded.gg forward slash RPN. Uh, help us, help us fund the network. Get some better microphones and stuff. Become a member, revelatornetwork.com forward slash subscribe. 
I'm getting these bonus audio feeds set up. So Stark and I might be able to throw up some bonus episodes into this um, RSS thing. That's that's one step at a time. I'm building that out with another team. So stay tuned on that. But there's lots of little bonus things up there. Like I said, we're doing a whole really cool ESP program thing where we're doing all these cool experiments with the mind. Um, that's going to be really fun for folks. Again, if you like all kinds of sci-fi, you're probably going to love that. And the best thing is it's got like extreme academic sources with it, which is just I didn't know that so much money was spent on these programs in the 60s. Oh, yeah. It was a huge expense. Like, it was a huge intelligence boondoggle. I knew about MK Ultra, but, like, now here I am on Facebook talking to a guy that claims to have been one of the people that was at Fort Bragg doing the Men Who Stare at Goats sort of thing. Not the film, mm-hmm. but the actual, like, real the book. The, yeah, book. the actual thing. Yeah. Um, by the way, if, if you haven't read the book, folks, out there, that's really good on Audible. Um, very different than the movie. But yeah, so he claims he claims to be one of those dudes. Uh, I got in contact because I was trying to find who was hosting one of the sites from someone who did pass away a couple years ago. So I don't know. I might end up getting to hear a little bit more from that. But uh, it's very interesting to have sources that are apparently pretty accessible that have a story they want to tell because there's not really a lot of people asking it these days. Everyone's too excited about their Instagram photos and no one's asking, like, why did our government spend millions of dollars on trying to ascend to a higher plane of existence (laughs) and document the experience? That's the crazy thing. They have it documented that you're going to meet these like aliens of the mind. It's wild. Anyway, join us on Gilded um, Movie Night this uh, uh, this Friday, I believe it is. So join us for a, a, a YouTube movie. Um, that's going to be good. It's called Flickr. It's about similar stuff. So thank you, Stark. This was really fun. I had a blast. I'm about to go live here on Twitch in just a second. So I'll probably get this episode up late tonight on the 28th. Everyone out there, stay safe. Um, go subscribe to the Twitch page, twitch.tv forward slash Kyle Paranormal. Stark is over on Twitter like myself. You can find those both below in the show note descriptions. Um, Stark has howtofightright.com. I did. That is right, Stark, right? Yeah, it is. Okay, I just, all sudden, I thought I butchered the URL. No, it's okay. No, it's the right URL. I was like, is it just shorter? So howtofightright.com. Also, it's up on the About Us section of the website. That's all linked in the podcast notes as well. Go mull around. Go poke at things at the blog. And folks, stay safe. Uh, get, get, Get yourself in order and keep kicking butt in Stellaris. We'll talk to you very soon with more feedback from the Dev Diaries. Goodbye, everyone. Take care.